Today on this episode of Go Book Yourself, the podcast that helps you master writing, marketing, and publishing one bite at a time, we are getting clear on why receiving edits from your editor can be painful, what to do about it, and how to preserve your voice. We'll get right to it in just a moment. Tune in to Go Book Yourself, powered by Helix Interactive, with your book coach and publishing expert, Hilary Jastrom. Our subject today is going to go very well with the last podcast that we talked about, which was how to let go. Today we're talking about how to take critique, which is a little bit of an overlap from last week, but I'm going to give you some actual pointers to help you take that critique. Only recently, a couple of authors have come forward and shared with me the ways that they handle critique when they get it coming back from either myself or one of the editors on my team. I think it's very fitting that we talk about this, and we're going to do exactly that right after a little plugola payola. One of the reasons that we are on the air is due to Bookmark Publishing House, born from our parent company, J. Hill Creative. As you listen to the show, as you're writing the book, you're on your book journey or in the writing process, please don't hesitate to reach out and get started. We'd love to help you with a little execution, help you with some of the structure and developmental editing if that's your jam, or maybe you just need a little proofing. Well, hey, we can do that too and everything in between. Just head on over to J Hill Creative. That's 1ljhillcreative.com and we'll get started. When I was a freshman, I wrote for my own entertainment. I would sit down and I would start novels. But I didn't get very far because I didn't understand character development and all the things, as they say, concerning book writing. But I always had great ideas for books. So I would get through a chapter or two and then I would run off and find my poor beleaguered mother. And I would tell her, I want you to read this. I wrote this. And I would just get so excited to hear what she had to say to me. In my mind, I could hear her voice. Wow, this is amazing. I've never read anything like this. You are incredibly gifted. And that's what I would think she was going to say. Well, my mother was honest. That's where I've learned a huge chunk of my integrity is from my mother. She's always honest, even if it makes her uncomfortable. And she's always kind about it. But I didn't want to hear what she had to say. So when she started talking, I got so angry. I thought she was just tearing my book apart, even though she wasn't. And I'm older now, so I can look back and think, no, she wasn't tearing it apart. She was sharing her observations and trying to help me make the story better. But I was very close to it. I had put in a lot of time with it. I had spent time in the dictionary and in the thesaurus. Look at that, I learned how to say it correctly this week. Don't ask me to say it three times, I won't do it. So I know how painful it can be. It is truly an art form learning how to take critique. I don't want to sound too much like the last episode when we talked about letting go, but I do think we need to establish a plan for taking critique. One of my authors did this very well the other day. She was being given a very long report concerning her novel, and she sat down and said, I'm going to assign a color to these particular 
critiques. So for instance, red, I'm going to highlight this red. That means no, I don't agree with it. I don't want to do it. Yellow, I'll think about it. We'll see. It makes sense, but maybe I need to tweak it a little bit versus the recommendation that the editor gave or the proofer gave. And orange, yes, I agree, I'm gonna make those changes. Man, I thought that was great. And I thought it was great for two reasons. One, because I'm a super organized nerd. I love organization. Like if you wanna get me anything for my birthday, go to the office supply store and get me a bunch of pens. Get me a bunch of beautifully wrapped ribbon dispensers. Like it just, <laughs> there has to be a support group for that. I'll keep looking. Um, I thought it was great from that standpoint because it's very visual. You can look at it and say, these are my red points. I know I can immediately eliminate those. I'm not going to touch those. You can look at the yellow and say, okay, I know I have X amount of work ahead of me because the yellow represents work that I'm going to need to tweak, but I'm probably not going to have to do as much as I have to do with this orange chunk right here. And that really represents the work that I'm going to have to do. I liked it. It was a visual representation of the varying scopes of her work and I thought it was brilliant. I also thought it was brilliant because I use color coding in my to-do list every single day. I've talked about it before. When I turn something green, it means go or it's done. Go, get it out of here. I love this idea. I also love the idea because she removed the emotion. She didn't get sucked into the words. Her job was to answer the question, what category does this go in? It forced her to interact with the content in a totally different way. So she could focus on the relevancy while she removed herself from the heavy and weighty emotions of what this type of feedback might make her feel like. I also love this story because she's a teacher so it made sense to me. I was like, oh, that's the teacher in her coming out of it. I loved it. I don't want to belabor the emotional aspect of this because I want us to pull away from that a little bit. Any person, Mary Higgins Clark has turned out, I don't even know how many novels, 50 novels, 25, at least 25, I would say. She is a crime writer, a thriller writer. Mary Higgins Clark, to be prolific, did not take critique and go cry herself to sleep over it. She had to have a plan. She had to know what to do with each piece of it. And it is just like practicing anything. When you first get a handful of critique thrown at you, you're not going to know what to do with it. Where does it go? How do I handle it? Is it even relevant? You will get very, very good at this practice. It's a totally different way to engage with what you've created. So let's build out what we're gonna do when we get critique from a book we've been working on that we're very proud of. And somebody gives us this jolting feedback. The first thing that we need to do is be honest. So there's that level of self-awareness that needs to take place as well as a level of coachability. The writers, the authors who strive to reach these deeper levels of coachability to be curious and hungry and thirsty 
they are the ones who are going to improve, like we talked about last week, and that's the name of the game. So here comes that little bit of mindset coaching that needs to go on. There's a little bit of self-mindset coaching. It's a great practice like we talked about. Continue to get sharper and stronger in this area. When I get critique, even if I get messaging coming back, um, somebody's going to give me bad news and I'm just kind of dreading it, like, oh, here it comes. I approach it from the perspective of what I'm about to read or receive is not going to kill me. I am the queen of catastrophizing. It was taught to me in a formative age by me. Thank you very much, self. But in catastrophizing, I also learned what makes me feel better is to go to that worst case scenario. Because 99% of the time, I'm not going to receive that. So I don't think you need to be a fatalist and think these awful things, but you can prepare yourself mentally by going to this place. Here comes the critique. Here's the email coming in from my editor. Oh man, this might not be good. All right, I'm going to go to the worst case scenario in my head. I hate it, hate everything about it. Um, I can't use any of it. Is that going to feasibly happen? Probably not. If you're working with an editor, what's going to happen is something that you might already be anticipating. This section is not working as written. It's done. And then you say, okay, well, can I receive that? Can I survive that? Is that okay? Yep. Absolutely. When you get ready to receive something and you feel okay with it, your body language changes. Go to that place. Get into that place of relaxation. This is going to be okay. It's not going to physically hurt me. Nobody's going to throw a spear at my head. The information is not going to change my success trajectory. <clears throat> it doesn't mean I'm not a good writer. It doesn't mean we're not good storytellers. It's additional information that we're absorbing and we're deciding what we're going to do with it. So here it comes. It can be a very tricky feeling to walk into our triggers, but we also know that's where our greater power is. Some people almost get themselves into an angry frame of mind. It's like, I'm going to get all roided up. I'm going to just go rage into it. Throw it at me. I'm afraid, so I'm going to go race into it. That's completely fine. Some people also go total Zen garden, namaste. Whatever mind frame you need to get into, the point is to be self-aware. Now, we'll get back into the honesty piece of it. Honestly, if you're sending in a first draft, you are going to get critique back. Period. That should be like just the end of the statement, the end of the paragraph, the end of the world right there. You are, you know, 1 million percent, not even 100 percent, okay? Many, many times over. You are going to be getting back feedback. That's what you paid for. Prepare for it mentally. It's not going to kill me. All that means is I have to do work. That's it. We always want to improve and want to learn from people who have been there and who've been doing it for a long time. People who have improved the process, who have shared their experience with us. They know what works and what 
doesn't work. I can also tell you right now, if you were to work with a traditional publisher and they said, our team of editors has gone through your book and they have these recommendations. If you said no, I don't want those. Forget it. They're going to say, well, I don't know if we have a deal. That's part of it. So you might feel close to people working on your book, but you also have to be ready and you have to be honest. Honestly, you hired somebody. Are they just going to make up a bunch of crap and like throw it at you if there is not a basis of an honest need for work? No. That is their job. They don't have personal feelings. They're not attacking you. They're honestly saying, I want you to see this. And you need to honestly receive it and say, does my work need work? If somebody doesn't understand it, yes. Yes. You also have to think about the ensemble aspect of it. Any traditional publisher has an ensemble for you. They are working with you. There are multiple editors, for example. There, and then there's a separate proofer. There's your interior formatter. There's your book designer. There's the person who does the actual manual creation of the book, the account manager, the head of marketing. There's all these people that come into it. And you do have to prepare yourself for it. Now, sometimes critique comes in. It's not relevant. It's a stylistic thing. It's really, really super duper poopoo scooper important that my words don't come out of my author's mouths. It's really important. So if they're going to say something stylistically, I wouldn't say it that way. I wouldn't choose that word, but it's grammatically correct. We leave it. We leave it. It's not my book. It's not my message. I am along for the ride. I am helping to craft what the author is putting out into the world. So if you get critique back and you think, man, that just does not sound like me, dig in your heels. If it's grammatically correct, and maybe that's the first question that you ask. Okay, great. So you wouldn't say it like this, but is this grammatically correct? Yes, it is. Okay, then I want to keep it the way that it is. Will it have a negative effect on the work or on the reader? No, it won't. Perfect. Question answered. We leave it the way it is. Somebody else's choice might not be your choice. And to that I say, who cares? I also say any editor that you're working with needs to have this as a high criteria. Our job as an editor is to remain non-emotional. It's very difficult to do that sometimes. We get pulled into the story. Oh, this is so great. What if we just did this? What if we did that? Da, 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 da. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Really important. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the author. That's the mindset the editor has to get into. I also think there is merit to receiving critique via the cookie approach. 
I learned about the cookie approach when I was in college. I took an intermediate painting and drawing class. One of the most fun adventures of my life and it sparked open a whole other side of expression. But we also learned how to give professional critique. We had to take turns and stand up there with our piece of art. And then the students were coached on how to give professional critique and we used the cookie message. Method rather. And it's, I'm going to give you something positive. Because I really like this about your, your work. And you had to be specific. It can't be like, I like the color green. You had to say, I like the composition. Uh, you did a great job shadowing that particular piece. It really made it pop. It made it much more realistic. Then came the middle of the cookie. So we're thinking about this like an Oreo. <laughs> The middle of the cookie might be something like if you used a different shade of gray in this area, I think it might bring a little bit more dimension. Okay, great. That's wonderful. Now we're going to end on a positive note. And uh, it was very meaningful how you included the memories of your mother in this particular part of the painting or how you uh, you did a great job with the body form, for example. You really worked well with this or your cross hatching looks great or whatever, which is a, a kind of, um, it's a kind of stroke that you can use in painting or in drawing. But the point is that you leave the person with something positive. I always want to end on a positive note. You can apply this to your writing too. Some people say, I don't know how to write. I don't know how to get this message across. Well, let me tell you what. All you gots to do is end on a positive note. There are some aspects to the feedback that you receive from your editor. And I do want to talk about those before we wrap up for the day. When you're looking at... The edits that you receive back, the ones that are to be accepted, are the ones that are technically correct. It has to be correct. Grammar, punctuation. Sometimes in those cases, then it comes down to, oh shoot, I can't use that word. No, you can't in that situation because you want to put your best foot forward. You don't want anybody reading your book to think, oh man, that person, I know that's not right. That just undermines the rest of the book. That is a non-emotional element that you can address. Anything technical, grammar-oriented, if it's correct or not. From the style guide. The style guide is different from a stylistic opinion that somebody is reading about. The style guide says things like, if you're using the Chicago Manual of Style, then uh, you need to put a period after, or I'm sorry, you need to put a space after an ellipses. Um, thoughts that are expressed need to be italicized. Those are things that we don't even talk about. We just say, okay, here's the criteria. We're going to check the box on that. So you don't have to spend a lot of time on that piece. The second piece, it's stylistic, but gram grammatically correct. That's at your discretion as the author as to whether you take the critique or not. How do you feel about it? 
bring in that honest element? Is there an easier way to write it? Is there a tighter way to write it? When we say tighter, it means are there any unnecessary words that can be eliminated from the sentence? Is there a cleaner way to write it or a quicker way to get the thought across? Don't be afraid to say this doesn't sound like me. So fall back on if it's technical, if it is grammar, punctuation, if it's stylistic, opinion, if it's from the style guide, that will give you some great guidance. And honestly, are they right? How do I feel about this? If I step back and I look at it and I say I'm reading this particular part that they want me to work on, is it feasible that this might be confusing? Is it feasible? One of my authors used the phrase ran wildly and she told me what she thought that meant. That you would run wildly down the street. You wouldn't really have any direction. This is why L-Y can sometimes be a little bit of a bugaboo, but that can be interpreted in different ways from different people. Running wildly, we have so we have to get very specific. She ran with her arms flailing in no particular direction. She ran in a zigzag zag pattern down the street with her arms flailing. It's things like that that we have to go, okay, well, I could see you know, this is the point of it. Take the emotionality of trying out of, out of it. Take the emotionality out of it when you're trying to sort through what you need to change and what you don't need to change. Hopefully you found some meaning in this. That's the whole point of the podcast. And I want you to know if there's anything you'd ever like me to cover in terms of writing, editing, book editing, or any other kind of writing, because it all comes down to writing in your book even writing a blog. I know many people who have used blogs in their books and repurpose them, including me. I will always happily consider suggestions. I like to keep it on the angle of moving you towards the creation of your book, but I'm always happy to take suggestions. And after all this, I wanna thank you so much for listening today. Now isn't it time to go book yourself? Until next time, authors, write on.